Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's get to our guest. Gareth Nicholson is with us. Gareth is the CIO, also head of discretionary portfolio management at Nomura International Wealth Management. And Gareth joins from the Lion City of Singapore. I'm wondering whether you're all in on this uh, COVID trade now, the relaxation of the rules, not only on the mainland, but in Hong Kong as well. Yesterday, I'm sure you saw the Hang Seng, it was up nearly 3%, and that tech sub-index was up nearly 6%. Are you all in on China right now, Gareth? Yeah, good morning. Uh, Great question. Uh, Yeah, China, as a growth engine relative to the rest of the world, has a a lot going for it. And this reopening trade is is particularly interesting for us, given sentiment has been so bad, you know, optics hasn't been great, uh, and positioning is is still really underweight. We think uh, there's still space to go in China for the reopening trade, absolutely. Um, Obviously, some risks ahead, though, as well. This is not going to be a smooth process. How do you hedge? So, yeah. Two steps forward, one step back. I mean, I think the whole world in Q1 is going to be a very difficult position. Uh, You know, Europe, arguably no growth. U.S. really trying to slow down growth. Asia, uh, they're trying to build up growth. How we're hedging is uh, we're focusing on uh, where's there the biggest tailwind. So in China, uh, the companies we like are going to be focusing around resilience. That would be, uh, you know, resilience or security around energy, around food, around access to technology, around defense. Um, and uh, these are the places that are going to have government support. Um, and uh, at the same time, uh, you know, we're going to have the opening trade. Uh, we also like places that are close to China. So Thailand, for instance, Thailand is going to benefit usually from the tourist push that is still coming through. Uh, and we also like Japan, which will also benefit largely from China reopening and the rest of the world so on to uh, revisit Asia again as well. So the idea is to use the whole of Asia as a hedge for slowly moving into China, um, albeit some parts we're going to move in quicker than others. Yeah, I'm hearing a couple of things here. Let's first talk about the China trade. And what I'm hearing is more state-owned enterprise related rather than small tech companies. I mean, if you're talking about a recovery that's going to be supported by uh, government steps or government stimulus, don't you want to be more exposed to, uh, to SOEs? And how do you go about doing that? Well, China's interesting. I mean, the, uh, there's liquidity in not just the, the top 50 names, in the top 150 names. Um, so there's a lot of different options uh, and a lot of different spaces to get in. The A shares, the domestic market is for us particularly interesting because that's normally where you get most of the government supports compared to the A shares, which are you know more international. Um, so we prefer some of the A shares. Some of the small cap uh, in there as well is interesting. Um, maybe 
if they're aligned with the government, they don't have to be SOE. Um, uh, but as, as long as they're aligned with the government initiative, and there's been a lot of work around uh, this from our team to try highlight where the space is. So it is really about diving into the details, to your point, finding out the spaces that are going to be most supported and start there. Um, there are obviously also opportunities where some names have just been banged up so badly, the positioning is so negative that from a tactical perspective, you can play around. We're seeing in the private bank space a lot of structured products that are looking to uh, you know, minimize the downside but uh, take opportunity on the upside, uh, um, and that's become very popular for, for China trades at the moment. Are there other ways to play this too? We've seen the iron ore price go up about 12% this month. That's obviously had a tailwind for uh, some of the big Aussie mining companies as well. And that is the Bloomberg question of the day, in fact. Is uh, our commodities going to boom in 2023 on the China reopening story? Well, China's a, a huge, uh, you know, huge... Uh Huge engine. It needs the commodities. It's going to uh, open up and it's going to start producing more. Yes, international demand exports is down for sure. But uh, I think there's so much pent-up demand in Asia, in China, that yes, commodities is going to get a, a lot of support. And for us, this is one of the risks because one, you know, commodity is still 43 over there. I think 45 commodities is dollar-based. So demand for dollars is going to push that up. It's likely to, you know, export inflation around the world to some point. Uh, and this is all in the uh, the same time that the Fed is trying to slow inflation, slow down uh, the, the, that side of things. So it is really going to be a battle with, you know, Asia pushing the growth side of things and inflation uh, and the other side of the world uh, uh, trying to slow things down. But, Garrett, uh, so I, I'm wondering whether or not we have to go into the, the pent-up demand story. There's, I don't believe there's uniformity to it. I mean, okay, in China, yes, because they've been locked down now for about three years in one form or another. But Japan, I'm wondering whether the pent-up demand that we saw in Japan is, is exhausted now. Japan... Uh I hear what you're saying. They're, they're, it's much further down the road. But Japan, for us, the interesting story is you have fundamentals that are pretty strong. You have uh, a developed market uh, that is stable, that asset allocation to is very, very low You know, in global markets. Uh, it's been dwindling over, over time. And that's because Japan has been very boring. But you actually look at Japan now with inflation, with wages going up, with a currency that is weak but strengthening. There's, there's quite a strong story for Japan to actually be a larger part of asset allocation for developed markets who will still largely see EM as a scary place for, for most of the first half, we believe. So Japan is going to benefit, I think, uh, uh, from, from that side. Uh, and, uh, you know, countries uh, that want access to the technology and the, the products that Japan make, I, I think are still going to uh, still be demanding that. Yeah, you say Japan's been boring, and it has, particularly uh, central bank policy. Uh, we've got uh, Governor Kuroda, though, stepping down early in the new year. Do you anticipate a more interesting BOJ in 2023? Interesting question. We had a, a conference yesterday in Nomura, which obviously has quite a big uh, view on Japan, uh, and the delegates had 60% uh, saying they expect a yield curve uh, measures to change, whilst onshore, the it was total opposite. It was about 75% that did not expect any change. So it seems like uh, people outside the country are expecting some sort of change, expecting to see policy shifting uh, when uh, leadership change. Uh, but at the moment, on the ground, it seems to be, no, it's going to stay the same. So it's very mixed at the moment. Um, our house call uh, expects uh, you know, yen to strengthen, um, but we're, we're not highly convicted that it's going to be driven by the change in the yield curve control. 
some of the the conversation too, I'm sure, had to do with Fed policy. And I'm curious to get uh, the House view from Nomura's perspective. Next year, do we see a terminal rate that uh, basically tops out at at 5% or or do you think the risk is that we see higher rates and the market is unprepared for that? Definitely, there's a real risk for sure. I mean, our policy is 50 basis points now in uh, December, which we don't think is a massive U-turn. I mean, 50 basis points a year ago was still seen as a jumbo hike, right? Just because it's slightly, uh, you know, decelerating, and we still think it's a, you know, tightening of the Fed. We also see another 50 basis points in February and March, and then a 25 after that, before stability until closer to the end of the year, where we would expect them to uh, to have to turn turn around the ship. Um, and that's dependent that we don't have the sticky inflation like you talk about that could come from many different places, energy, commodity, uh, labor markets are still, uh, you know, showing up pretty strong. Um, you know, CPI out to date will be interesting. We see it moderating down to uh, closer to uh, to 7.25, so it's half a percent down. Um, You're talking still, PPI in the hard. U.S. On, on Friday. PPI, yeah. right, right. Okay. Yeah, sorry, PPI, yeah. Um, just quickly, Gareth, uh, where do you stand on recession risk? Is it inevitable or is the Fed going to stick that soft landing? Wow, that would be amazing if they do. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are hoping it. But uh, but it's, it's becoming, we believe, a much, much smaller target for them to aim for. Uh, I, I think it's going to be difficult. Um, we think it's a, a done deal in Europe. Um, we think Asia will hold up pretty well. Um, and we think U.S. is right on the line. And me personally, I think we, we, we're fo- they're falling over. I think we're likely to go into recession. All right, uh, Gareth Nicholson, we are out of time. But thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Gareth Nicholson is CIO and Head of Discretionary Portfolio Management at Namora International Wealth Management. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.